And I think one of the first things that we did, he put me on the phone with Chris Lighty. Oh, Chris Lighty. R.I.P. Yeah. Buster Rhymes, 50 Cent's first manager, and yeah. he used to manage Buster Rhymes. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we were going to bring Buster to Botswana. I took that shit to KBO. Mm -hmm. Sisupo flopped on it, because I don't know. Sometimes the Negroes are a bit weird. Like, you tell them you can do something, and then they will say, like, he was like, oh, well, can you get, uh, no, what did he say? I was like, look, I can't get Buster. Let's bring Buster. He's like, no, let's bring someone else. I was like, well, who do you want? T-Pain. And then... Yo, Stagger! What up, what up? What's happening? How you doing, my brother? Chilling, bro. Welcome back to the 2011 podcast. Thanks for having me back again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so this time around, we, we, we're not talking much about music or about Stagger. We'll talk about music, but not about my music. Not about your music. Yeah, yeah. We're talking about the, the documentary. Yes, sir. Nigel Amos documentary. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell us about it, bro. Like, how, at which stage are you at now? So, it's been an ongoing process of about maybe... It's actually four years now. Mm -hmm. um, we actually started shooting it at the very end of 2019. Okay. When I came for um, uh, a, f a film festival. I was invited by MySec. Mm -hmm. to speak at a film festival. Yeah. And um, yeah, we, we'd been toying with the idea for like a couple of years before that. Mm -hmm. And then we spoke to Nigel. Nigel was cool with it. I only met Nigel in 2019. Okay. So I kind of had been talking about him to my partner, Carlos, my business partner, mm -hmm. from about 2012. Yeah. Um, I pitched the idea to shoot the documentary to a friend of mine who knows him. Mm -hmm. And then he introduced me to him. Yeah. So I had a friend who was at um, Sports Council and he knew Nigel, a guy called Tato. Mm -hmm. So he basically pitched the idea to him. Then I met Nigel in 2019 and he said, cool, let's do it. Yeah. He actually had an offer to do one from a Korean company for the road to the Olympics. Okay. And he said he, he had the contract, but he never signed it. So yeah. God, God was, was working that day. Yeah, so where, where does this come from? Because we know Stagger is a, is a rapper, but now you're a film uh, producer. Well, really, if you look at it, um, mm. rapping is a form of storytelling. Yeah. So it's just telling a story. Yeah. And I just felt, felt that his story needed to be told. And like, it's a bit weird because the first documentary I wanted to do was uh, Dan Chanda. Yeah. And I managed to meet him through um, a school friend of mine, uh, who uh, got a Kobe Dumano. So she, she, she's his um, wife's cousin. Mm -hmm. So I always used to talk about him and talk about, you know, his music and stuff like that. And she said, oh, he's coming. Do you want to meet him? He's yeah. coming to Gabs. I said, yeah, sure. I actually want to meet him and tell him that I want to make a documentary about him. Mm -hmm. So I think she told him and he came to my office. I was shocked because he was like, okay, I'll come. So he came to my office and I only met him once, but like the day that I met him, he was, I'd seen him, you know, like everybody had seen him, I heard of him. Yeah. But like when I sat down and I met him, it was like, yeah, you could tell he's a different breed, you know, cut from a different cloth. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, everything about him said success. Like, mm -hmm. you know, just, you know, you can tell, they say you can tell a lot about a man by his shoes. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm not, they were like, they look like some $5,000 shoes or something. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, but he wasn't like flashy. But he, you know, he looked like a very successful entrepreneur. He is, mm -hmm. who he was. And yeah, I said to him, look, um, I want to make a documentary about you. And he said, why? Mm -hmm. 
I said, well, I want to know what you were on in the 80s where you could sit down and, you know, look at the white man's face and say no. And remember, this is apartheid South Africa. Yes. So to sit down in an office, you know, at a time when you needed passes to be in certain parts of Joburg, like, you know, there's parts, parts of South Africa where you couldn't go. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember seeing that when I came in 84 to Botswana and I flew into South Africa, I flew into Jan Smuts Airport. Mm -hmm. So I saw the signs, I was seven. So I saw the signs like, you know, Europeans only, that yeah. type of shit. So I said, how did you have the balls at that time when, when there was a state of emergency and black people, some black people were afraid to look white people in the eye. Like, how did you have the balls to tell them, no, this is my IP, it's my masters, my company, it's my shit. Mm -hmm. So he laughed. I said, no, I'm serious. I want you to teach me that Kung Fu. And he just started yeah. laughing and he goes, all right, I will teach you. And he goes, no one's ever asked to make a documentary about me. Mm -hmm. I said, are you serious? He said, yeah, I'm just as surprised as you. I said, no, no, no one from SABC? He said, nobody. Yeah, yeah. And he said he, he always wanted a documentary about his life. Mm -hmm. And he said, that's been my lifelong dream. I'll do it. And then he even said to me, then he started telling me about his life and how he grew up and how he didn't go to school for music, didn't go to school for business, but he learned everything on the job. Mm -hmm. And then he said, um, even publishing, he was telling me about publishing and how publishing works. Mm -hmm. And he goes, I didn't learn any of this in school. I learned it on the job just, you know, by by being an entrepreneur. Yeah. And he goes, I'll teach you. I'm going to teach you everything about the publishing game. And me, him, and we developed from the company, mm -hmm. uh, a publishing company, which is still active. Okay. And he was going to basically teach me the ins and outs of publishing, throw in some catalog, and we were going to buy up a whole lot of publishing. Then he died. Oh. So his wife in 2019 um, was in town and around the same time that I did the docu the um, film festival. Yeah. So we met up with her at Avani, me, Carlos, Big mm -hmm. And she said, look, this was my, my husband's, one of his last wishes. Yeah. That he wanted a documentary. So uh, I'm here, I'm here to pledge support, whatever you need, whether it's music, footage. Mm -hmm. And I said, dope. So at that time we'd already spoken to Nigel and we, we basically shot just the trailer, like literally just like a very small shoot. Mm -hmm. And then I said, look, after I finish this Nigel documentary, I'll do the Dan Chandler one. Yeah. And she she was very, you know, very patient with me, as was Nigel, because I thought his story would be ready by the Olympics. Yeah. Then COVID happened. Then, you know, we couldn't travel. Mm -hmm. I did a shoot. It was, it ended up being fucked. And, you know, I couldn't use any of the footage. Then I said, you know what? For Nigel, I must do Yeah. Me. So like, oh. the first shoot that I did, <laughs> Mm. <laughs> spent a lot of money on it and it just is it the time when you came to Botswana? no uh -huh. so before I came to Botswana mm. I sent somebody up there to do a shoot and they just did a shit job mm. and you know I said nah I need to do this myself so Carlos and I then came to Botswana mm. and then we reshot everything that they had done so we had to go back to basically the first person who went, went up there and he interviewed interviewed Nigel's mom and grandmother mm. you know in English and just, just all kinds of crazy shit and, well, you know, who was the, the, the film guy? I'm not gonna say <laughs> Don't throw anyone under the bus, but yeah. you know, I mean, they tried, but it wasn't. I want to win an award with this, yeah. so it wasn't anything that was going to win any mm -hmm. awards. It was not anything that anyone was going to be proud of. Mm -hmm. You know, even technically, it was just shit. So the, the, the second time when you went there, you went there with Apollo was speaking in Kalang, like yes. Uh -huh. So you know, as they say, when you want to do something mm -hmm. properly, you need to do it yourself. Yeah. So I was like, you know, I I can't send people money and think they're going to do a good job. I need to be there. Yeah. I need to, you know, do the quality control and all that type of shit. So we did. Mm -hmm. Here to Botswana, we spent like two weeks or 
It was a while, man. We went up there and shot. Went all the way up to Marabella, met his parents. We interviewed everybody but the cats and the dogs. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we literally did everybody, family, friends, first coach, teacher, yeah. his school, because we want to get an essence of who he is as a person. Mm -hmm. And I really feel, I'm actually glad that this took the four years and it didn't take a few months like I thought it would because yeah. so much has happened. You know, he, we had COVID, we had the fucking, uh, what's it called? The Olympics. Yeah. And like, if we had gone to the Olympics, for example, we would have gone to, to Tokyo and not been able to see him because mm. there was the COVID restrictions. Yeah, there were COVID restrictions. So we would have literally just gone there to watch it from the hotel because mm. you, you know, like there was a period where they thought fans were going to be allowed in and then they said no fans. So it ended up just, it would have been a washout if we'd gone. Mm -hmm. So luckily we went to Monaco just before that. So this was like in the June mm -hmm. of 20, um, of the year of the Olympics. Mm -hmm. So we went to Monaco and I saw him run in Monaco and he, he said to me, he loves Monaco because he's never lost there. Mm -hmm. you know, he's, every time he's raced, he's always won. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like, Marobella Nigel is different from Monaco Nigel. Mm -hmm. Like, he's the same person, mm -hmm. but when you see him moving in, that, in a place like that with that type of energy, yeah. yes, it was good, it was good. I'm glad I went out there. Mm -hmm. So, we, you know, we shot in Monaco, we shot in Italy, LA, New York, um, Marobella. Botswana. Uh, we we, the only place we haven't shot is probably SA. Okay. But we've shot in like maybe nine different locations. So is the, 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 the shooting is still one? Not really. So, we, mm. you know, it's, it's like with documentaries, you can keep shooting forever. Yeah. But the only thing that we're, that we're going to put in is a reenactment scene. Mm -hmm. So he doesn't remember like things like his mom you know, and a lot of parts, things of his life because he was young, he lost his parents when he was young. Okay. And there's just some things that we feel that it would be better if we got like a, a make it like a dramatization. So yeah. get actors, yeah. shoot like a mini movie. Yeah, so it's not just interviews, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And we're going to do the same for Dan Chanda, but Dan Chanda's life was a bit more like action packed. Mm -hmm. Nigel's is action packed as well, mm -hmm. but like Dan Chanda's lived like 10 lives. You From the appointment either to... You know what I mean? Like the yeah. things that he did. Mm -hmm. So I think it, it deserves like a little mini movie mm -hmm. type of thing. Like, like the Mandoza biopic. I've never watched it. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a series like it's about... Uh, a season's about 12 episodes. I haven't seen it. I need to watch yeah, it. Yeah, you should check it out on BT. Okay, no, mm -hmm. I should watch that. Yeah, yeah so that that's the vision. And like, you know, we went to... We started shooting Dan Chandler two weeks ago. We went to... Is it? Yeah, we went to... We went to... Um, Joba, we went to Soweto. Mm -hmm. I met the original members of Splash. Yeah. So for me, it was great. They even said, look, thank you guys for doing this because we haven't seen each other. And some of them is 15, 20 years, they haven't seen each other, the mm -hmm. original members. So it's good because it kind of um, brought the original band members together. And it kind of reminds people, especially when you've done something great and maybe you're not as close as you are to the people you did it with. Yeah. You, you kind of forget that you were involved or part of something great. So it's mm -hmm. good to kind of bring those feelings out. Mm -hmm. So um, tell me something, mm -hmm. like um, with, with most people into film, they struggle with uh, sponsorship like um, for, 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 for such um, projects. Because yeah. you're talking of going to Monaco, going to the Olympics, going to Soweto, putting <laughs> splash members together, like this is money. Are you using money from your own pocket? Yes, sir. It's money from your own pocket. Yeah, like uh, I've been bleeding for the last four years. <laughs> I've yeah. been hemorrhaging money. Yeah. For the last four years. Uh -huh. Look, um, filmmaking is very difficult. Yeah. It's easier to make albums because you get advances. Yeah. You know, you can... There's so many different ways you can 
make an album and mm -hmm. it's not that expensive, especially now. Mm -hmm. Making a movie is very expensive. I yeah. mean, just, just the logistics. Mm -hmm. You know, you have a crew, you have to feed them. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I've, 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 I've bought a lot of food I didn't eat, paid yeah. for beds I didn't sleep in, mm -hmm. you know, cars I never drove. Mm -hmm. It's very expensive and you have to, you have to be able to stick it out as well because um, we've done this with no contributions from anybody. Mm -hmm. So we did try. Like at the beginning, we were like, okay, we're going to shoot a demo, I mean, a, a trailer, mm -hmm. and then that would be good enough to raise capital. So yeah. we thought, nah. So we, you know, it's funny as well, because when you get to the end of a project, people want to give you money, mm -hmm. but what, that's but you don't need it then. Yeah. You know, you need the money to actually make the project. So execution purposes. Yeah. So, you know, like, like you said, I mean, Monaco's not a cheap place to be. Yeah. You know, and yeah, it was expensive, mm -hmm. but it's worth it because I think the the the, the content mm -hmm. is crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. So, so when should you get to pick the different August. This August. Yep. Um, New Capital Cinemas is going to partner with us to launch it. Mm -hmm. We're going to have premieres in Gabs in um, the embassies and Brown Botswana are going to partner with us to have premieres outside of the country as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we want to make it like some nice red carpet shit. We've got Lamar Rucker who's going to narrate it mm -hmm. uh, from. Tyler Perry movies like Why Did I Get Married mm -hmm. and Why Did I Get Married Too? Yeah. The ladies are gonna love that. Yeah, yeah. You know, um <laughs> Yeah, we, 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 you know, you have to you have to bring the stars out. I mean mm -hmm. my partner Carlos Pimentel, entertainment lawyer, twenty-five years in the game. Yeah. DJ Khaled's first lawyer, mm -hmm. used to manage the beat nuts. He's got, you know, um, big pun plaques. How, how, how would you get involved with these guys? How would you partner with them? With Carlos and uh, what's his name? Larry Campbell. Uh, Larry Campbell, yeah. Because yeah. this is our shows, bro. Yeah, I mean, Larry Campbell, musical director, 200 million records sold, seven-time Grammy nominated, mm -hmm. Deborah Cox, Aretha Franklin, mm -hmm. Missy Elliott, Beyonce, Britney Spears, R. Kelly, 50 Cent, Tupac. Mm -hmm. The man was giving us Tupac stories. Yeah. You know, you know telling us about things that we would never be able to, to you know, experience or know about. Mm -hmm. And you know, like with everything else, you just have to know people. Yeah. So fortunately, um, this actually all came about through, through my dad, because my dad is, a, is an artist, he, he's into modern art. One of his friends was a singer. Mm -hmm. He's late now, he died like, just in the last two years. Good guy called Rauf Adu. Mm -hmm. He had a group called Osibisa. Mm -hmm. And he had some hits in the UK and Europe in the 80s. Mm -hmm. So he was always cool with me. He always liked me. Mm -hmm. And um, I actually rapped on a couple of, like he dropped some music later on and I rapped on a couple of his stuff like in the mid 2000s. This one I was back in England. Okay. He was actually the first person who I worked with where I rapped on a Neve board. Mm -hmm. Anybody who's a producer will know what a Neve board is. Mm -hmm. Or if you don't, Google it. <laughs> it's like on the same level as an as a SSL. Solid state logic, so it's like a proper proper mixing desk. Okay, okay. You know, like a, it's about four five hundred thousand pounds. Mm -hmm. So it's like real equipment. You know the shit that they do albums that win Grammys on. Yeah, they mix them on them them kind of boards. Not the the, the laptop thing. Not this bedroom bullshit. Like just like real real mixing boards. Yeah. yeah. So he always used to say to me, "You need to meet Carlos." Um, there's this guy who. So his manager was managing a band with Carlos, a band called 12 Dirty, Dirty, Dirty Bullets. Mm -hmm. So he said, you need to meet um, Carlos, he manages 12 Dirty with 
um, he, his other manager, Chris. Mm -hmm. And um, one day he said, look, he's coming to London. Do you want to meet him? I think you guys will get along. I said, cool. I used to call him Brother A. I said, no problem, Brother A, let me meet him. Mm -hmm. Carlos was in London. I think he was, he was coming to get someone on Arsenal trial, if I'm not mistaken. Because yeah. he was a, he was doing sports management at the time. Mm -hmm. And I met him, we clicked, he was telling me about all the people he worked with and what he's done. And I think one of the first things that we did, he put me on the phone with Chris Lighty. Oh, Chris Lighty. All right, yeah. Buster Rhymes, 50 Cent's first manager, and yeah. he used to manage Buster Rhymes. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we were gonna bring Buster to Botswana. I took that shit to KBL. Sisupo mm -hmm. flopped on it, because I don't know, sometimes, the Negroes are a bit weird. Like you tell them you can do something and then they will say, like he was like, oh, well, can you get, uh, no, what did he say? I was like, look, I can't get Buster, let's bring Buster. He's like, no, let's bring someone else. I was like, well, who do you want, T-Pain? And then when I said, all right, I can get him too. He was like, no, no, I want real. So he was just moving the goalposts because I don't think he thought that I could do it, mm -hmm. but I did. Mm -hmm. So anyway, they flopped on that. And yeah, there was a couple of moves that I made with him that were music related, but in terms yeah. of gigs and then Eventually, you know, we just kept working on through throughout. I mean, this is like I met him in 2010. Yeah. So it took a while before we found something that gelled, and then we did, and then we just just ran with it, you know. Mm -hmm. All right. But he introduced me to Larry, so I met yeah. Larry probably a couple of years after I met him, like mm -hmm. the second time he came to England. These are big names that you're talking about. Bro. Yeah. So we were expecting the project to be Beagles. Oh, for sure. I wouldn't do it if it's not going to be. Mm, it's corporate. What's one coming through if you yeah. approach them? Hey, yeah, we'll approach everybody. If I approach them? Everybody. And what's the response? Crickets. Everyone that you can think of, we approached. So they're coming, they're coming on board? No. Nobody came on board. But no one came on board? Mm -mm. And this is part of the problem. Yeah. You know, there's only one Olympic silver medalist in this country. It's not it's not two. No. Like that relay team of one. One. Oh, you mean like as a sword? That was a team and they won yeah. a bronze. Yeah, he is the bronze. only person mm -hmm. with a single medal. Yeah. Especially a silver. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And imagine Botswana first qualified for the Olympics in eighty two. Yeah. So it was in two thousand and twelve. Mm -hmm. If somebody came in and said, if you don't have a silver medal, sit down, the whole fucking country would have to sit down. Yeah. Except for one person. Exactly. And wh 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 where do you do you see that? Yeah. Have you seen is there a Niger Amos training facility? Is there a Niger Amos stadium? Do you see any statues of Niger Amos? Have you seen a billboard? Did you see a double page spread in any of the papers? Mm -hmm. Did any company say, hey, let's let's make him the face of whatever, whatever? You know what I mean? And I say this all the time. If he was in England, he would be knighted. Mm -hmm. Sebastian Coe ran the same time as Nigel Amos. He was knighted. He became Sir Sebastian Coe. Mm -hmm. That's a record that still stands to this day in England. Nigel's one of only five people that's run that time in history. Mm -hmm. If he was from Britain, he'd be knighted. Because Sebastian Coe is now Lord Coe for mm -hmm. doing exactly what Nigel did. Mm -hmm. If he was from America, he'd be living somewhere in Calabasas with probably two ex-wives, a movie, <laughs> you know, mm. a couple of, he'd be on cereal boxes if he was in America. We know this, mm -hmm. but the niggas in Botswana, yeah. where people just, I don't know whether it's the whole fake humility thing that Botswana think they show, because I think it's fake because it's not real. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not, it's kind of like, it's disrespectful. It's like, ah, you know what I mean? Like people try and downplay success. Mm -hmm. There's nobody else in the country that has a silver medal. I'm not saying that people should suck his dick wherever he goes, mm -hmm. but he should get the, 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 his props. You know what I mean? It's a difficult thing to do. Mm -hmm. Look at the fact that 
2012, we're in 2024. Yeah. We're talking about something that happened 12 years ago. Mm -hmm. Who has done it since? No one. Exactly. Yeah. He, when, I, when I saw him run in Monaco, he ran maybe a second off of his personal best. Mm -hmm. That was 2012 to 2021. That's a 10-year stretch. Mm -hmm. there's, there's guys that can't still... Look, there's a lot of things that I can't do that I used to be able to do. I used to be able to go... I, I could drink the whole weekend 10 years ago. Yeah. 20 years ago, I can't do that. Now I'm old. Yeah. You know? yeah. So the fact that he can still perform at that level. Mm -hmm. There's men that can't satisfy their wives like they could 10 years ago, <laughs> if we're keeping it real. You know what I mean? Yeah. So people really downplay that shit, and it annoys me. And this is why I got pissed when they said, oh, sell the medal, sell the medal. How can you sell a piece of history? Yeah. Someone's going to buy that medal and then fucking put it in a museum, and people are going to, it's the stupidest shit I ever heard. Yeah. Sell the medal. It's not a medal, it's an artifact. It's an artifact. You know, it's not just a piece of metal, it's a symbol. It's, it's, that should be something that should be in the National Museum. It should go on tours. It should be going around the country. He should be on speaking tours around the country with that medal, mm -hmm. where kids can see it and touch it. Where else are they going to see an Olympic silver medal? Nowhere. You know what I mean? You shouldn't have kids walking around with Spider-Man backpacks and all that type of shit. There should be kids with Nigel Amos backpacks. You Don't know? you think maybe his reputation, like his social reputation, maybe? Yeah, but this is why we did the documentary, because a lot of that stuff, like, for example, he touches on that, like, you know, oh, why did you want to be a DJ? He didn't want to be a DJ. Mm -hmm. When he got injured, you motherfuckers left him. Mm -hmm. Nobody was there. The only people that stood by him was Nike. Mm -hmm. He told me, he said, listen, you think I wanted to be a DJ? Mm -hmm. I'm an athlete. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be out there. Okay. I had rent to pay. Mm -hmm. You know, I had bills. Yeah, yeah. I went to Marabella and I saw, you know, like the average person who's successful, and this is anywhere, anywhere in the world, mm -hmm. especially in Botswana, people feel entitled. So let's say you're the most successful person in your family. Yeah. Other family members feel that you have to pay for everything. If yeah, someone yeah, dies, yeah. you go to it. If, there, yeah, if there's an emergency, you have to take care of everybody. And that's fuckery. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, every man needs to just look out for themselves and be able to take care of themselves. I don't think that you should be a burden on, on, on a person just because you feel entitled to their money. Now imagine, it's not just a family, it's a whole village that's looking up to him mm -hmm. to kind of bring, you know, to make shit happen for them. So he's under a lot of strain and he's been under a lot of strain since the age of 18. Taking you off the whole... Yes, imagine, he didn't have any kids, mm -hmm. but everybody expected him to be taken care of them. And you can't go from being unknown and running at school and then six months later you win an Olympic medal and then not expect that to affect you. Yeah. You know, I have a friend, Cesar, um, uh, he says, mm -hmm. people think therapy is for when your life is going bad. It's not. It's for when shit goes good as well. He said, I go to therapy when I get money mm -hmm. so that I don't lose my money. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's and that's something that people, people don't really look at things like that. Yeah, you know, yeah, to yeah. say, shit, you know what? If I got this tender that I've been trying to get or these millions that I've been trying to, trying to make, how would it affect me? Maybe I need therapy so that I can handle the success when I get it and it doesn't go to my head or fuck me up. Because money, money can kill people. Like if I gave certain people who didn't have their head right a million today, mm -hmm. someone would die tomorrow. Yeah. Either of alcohol poisoning or, you know, you could kill people. You mm -hmm. give certain kids who are reckless money or like a, even a car. Yeah. People are going to die, you know, because we, it happen, actually, some of our we see it every day. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's, it's it, it, success is something that is difficult to handle. And Nature was once involved in accidents. Look, as was I. 
You know, it's like I've, I've written off four beamers, <laughs> you know, and a pen. In one year? Not in a year, but like in a very short period of time, yeah. you know, and like, like I'm saying, like it's, it's, it, it, success is something that you have to process. Mm -hmm. It's a bit like failure. You have to digest that shit mm -hmm. before you can actually, you know, not let it fuck, fuck you up. Mm -hmm. So it's the same. I think, you know, he, he talks about all of those things that happened. And, you know, one thing I asked him, I said, um, what, what do you not want me to put in this documentary? And he said, nothing, put everything, talk about everything. There's nothing that's off limits. And I said, okay, that's cool. Mm -hmm. The only thing that I have not, and I will not talk about is his relationship with Sasa because yeah. she's late, yeah. you know, and that's out of respect for her. I knew Sasa, mm -hmm. so out of respect. You guys also like featured on DJ Fall Swoon. Yeah, but I knew Sasa before she rapped, mm -hmm. you know, and, okay. I, and like I knew her from when she was about 15. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, I featured on the song with her, but you know, out of respect, if she was alive, yeah. then I would have interviewed her and interviewed him mm -hmm. because it's nice, it's drama. We want to know the ins and outs. Ins and outs. Nah, mm -hmm. she, she's late, so I would never do that. I would never talk about, we would never talk about her in any kind of disparaging way, make any comments about her like that. Mm -hmm. So that's the only thing I'm not going to put in there. Okay, no. But so everything else, you know, the suspension, we talk about that. The doping. Everything. Yeah. All right. It's part of the story. It's a jumped documentary. Was well, it? Yeah. Speaking of, of, of documentaries and local icons, how come we don't have, bro, we have a lot of stories to tell, like Botswana stories, by Botswana, for Botswana. Yes. But um, I, I think this is one of the first documentaries, like one of the first. Documentaries are difficult to make. I know they're difficult to make. You need to have a good idea as well. But look, how old is the country now? It's what, 58? It's young. Uh, but we need to know like how those songs were recorded back in the day. You know, there's so many things that you could make documentaries about, yeah. but I think for me, it's natural because I, I like history. Yeah. So history was like my favorite subject at school. Yeah. And um, I like to know about the history of things. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter what it is. Mm -hmm. You know, I like to learn and I like to delve into the past and find out why things happened and why things are the way they are. So for me, it's interesting. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think you need to be interested in that type of shit. Otherwise, you're not going to make a good documentary. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But there's, I feel like there's a lot of stories that have been told that are true to be told. Like, what's on stories? 100%. Um, but who's got the patience? And again, like you mentioned, mm -hmm. who can pour money into something for four years and not give up? There's very few people that can do that. <laughs> it's you know? Look. <laughs> you know, it's like, like I said, I did it because I, I like this mm -hmm. and I eat. Let's say this didn't work. I wouldn't, like I wouldn't have any regrets, Yeah. but it is working. But there was a period where I thought, fuck, what if this doesn't work? Yeah. Because like, you know, you put so many things on the line, your reputation, someone else's reputation, your integrity, you know, all kinds of shit. Mm. And it's like, you say to yourself, if this doesn't work, Actually, I never really thought if it doesn't work. There were times during the story where I thought, oh, fuck. Yeah. How are we going to... Like, okay, for example, when he tripped, yeah. I was like, shit. Well, I guess, I guess that's it. Yeah. And then he was back in the race. Then he lost. Bro, when he lost, we were more sad than he was. Mm -hmm. Like, me and Carlos called me and he's like, yo, I'm here choking up. And he's like, Nigel called me. And he's like, yo, look. Nigel was counseling us. Like, nah, don't worry, guys. It's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, nigga, you're the one who dropped us. But we, we were, like, you know, there was a lot of highs and lows, a mm -hmm. lot of drama and suspense. Mm -hmm. But then there were many times when I thought, <clears throat> maybe, okay, how are we going to end this? Then he got suspended. I was like, fuck. Because the whole point was, 
he was going to end at Paris. Mm-hmm. So now, and even with that, it was like a false positive. Yeah. And the only reason why he couldn't clear his name is for financial reasons. But I don't want to give away too much. You'll see it in the mm-hmm. in the documentary. Mm-hmm. But you know, the kid really had like a raw deal. Yeah. And when you find out the real side of who he is and what happened and the whole story, mm-hmm. I mean, there's stuff like he was offered. I'm not going to mention which country because you'll see it in the documentary. But he was offered a lot of money mm-hmm. to run for a particular country, mm-hmm. and all he had to do was run for. First, they wanted two, I think one or two Olympics, like a bag of money, more money than any fucking athlete or rapper has ever seen in this country in one go, you know? In greenbacks as well, not even in Bula, like hard cash. Mm-hmm. He didn't do it. For the love of his country. Mm. For the love of a country that doesn't seem to show him any love. See, the only love he gets is, look, it's nice to get love in the street, but bro, we're the corporates. Mm. You know, we're the corporates saying, hey, let's back this guy. Or let's do this, or let's do that. There are no corporates doing that. Mm-hmm. So that's not cool. So is it, is it late for the corporates to jump on the documentary? Of course it's not. Hit me up. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, it's late to jump onto the production side because we're, yeah. we're practically done. But it's never too late to, you know, we're going to do a red carpet. Mm-hmm. The UN has jumped on board. They're going to buy some tickets. Um, mm-hmm. New Capital Cinema, shout out to them. Caroline Desai and Rizwan. Mm-hmm. Big up to them. You know, they, they, um, they're one of the few people that actually got it and said, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do what we can, you know? Mm-hmm. They're gonna bring out like a mobile screen so that he can have a premiere in Marobella because if it's called for Marobella to the world, you have to do a, a, a premiere in Marobella. Yeah. See what I mean? Yeah. Like, it would be unfair not to. So, you know, and, I, and, and we even toying with the idea of taking the, the road show around the country mm-hmm. so that other part, rural parts can see it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important. Okay, consider us as your media partner then. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So we we, we can't have a stagger interview. We talk about stagger, the musician, the rapper, the the, 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 the businessman. First, let's start about stagger, the the, the, the malumi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been getting that a lot. Like, yeah. so I was at main deck, <laughs> and shit, it was funny because I was so I'm, with, I'm there with my bro Vish Fresh yeah. Seti, who's uh, one of my bros that I went to school with, and we were with the team. Yeah. And we're having a really great um. Um, meeting. Shout outs to Fish. You know, he, he he he's he's one of the people who actually said, "Listen, if you need any assistance, mm-hmm. hit me up." You yeah. know, and he actually, and it means a lot because I went to school with him. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know him from school, and he he just said, "Look," and just even just the moral support to saying that it mm-hmm. give it, it gives you an encouragement. So I'm sitting there with him and the team, and um, the the lady. The young lady who was the waitress, her name is Shaiti Shatani mm. at main deck. She was like, she was, she was saying Malume, and I didn't, I heard her saying Malume, mm. and I was thinking, who, who is this Malume that she's talking to? So, which <laughs> pokes me, he's like, she's talking to you. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> I'm like, okay, yeah, sorry, sorry, yeah. I wasn't meaning to ignore you. And then, yeah. and when I left, um, she said, um, can I ask you a personal question? I said, yeah. Mm. She goes, uh. Are you that uncle that did the song about calling the cops from back in the day? <laughs> oh my God! I was like, yes, yeah, yeah. I am that uncle. I guess I'm, I'm now in uncle territory. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it, I mean, I am. Like my my son's friends call me uncle, uncles, yeah. or pops. So yeah. I guess I'm there. You know? Yeah, yeah. And the, the, the women are loving you, brother. Singing edgy mom. They're loving you so much. Bro. You know, it's it's um to 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 my young G. Look, I'm I'm a little bit hungover. We went yeah. out yesterday. Yeah. You know? 
with Dez and, and, and my man Isaac yeah. and the Faded Crew. Yeah. Shout out to Obado, shout out to Dilla, yeah. shout out to Nigel. We had quite a good night yesterday at Yoba. Yeah. But one thing that you should do mm -hmm. is drink water. Yeah. Drink water before you go to bed mm -hmm. and try and drink as much water as you can during the day. Yeah. Because people think, look, I don't go to the gym. I don't own a gym membership. I've never owned a gym membership. Yeah. Uh, actually, I did once. I paid for the gym, but I never went. Yeah. I'm just not. I really wish I was that disciplined to be able to get up in the morning and go to the gym. I do like push-ups sometimes and you know, pull-ups here and there. But generally, mm -hmm. it's really about what you eat and what you put into your body. Mm -hmm. So just try not to... I don't eat sugar. So yeah. I try not to eat any sugar at mm -hmm. all. And I just try and stay away from junk food. Mm -hmm. Really, everything in life has to balance. So you can't like eat just fucking cabbage or lettuce all day long. Yeah. But don't eat like, you know, just junk food all yeah. the time. Yeah. So you have yeah. to balance it. Just try, I just try to eat healthy. And just mm -hmm. try and drink water. Mm -hmm. I kept doing up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to yeah. be honest, I was thinking about having a beer, but I was like, no, nah, fuck it. It's not, it's not, it's not, not what I need. Why well, the ladies, they, 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 they said we should ask you one question, because it seems like, but about your age, they're asking if there's, there's anyone in your life, because they, they're, they're trying to. <laughs> um, I mean, I've been single for a long time. Yeah. I've got like three kids. I'm a single father. Yeah. I mean, I'm not public, but yeah, you know, everyone needs someone to love. Let's just yeah, say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, to be to be honest with you, I've never really. I mean, I think maybe people will know by now. I've never done an interview. I've never spoken about anybody that I've been involved with, even yeah. when I was married. Yeah. You know, and I used to kind of try and keep that separate. And I'm glad I did that because I was saying to one of my friends that, you know, me and my my ex-wife are obviously divorced, mm -hmm. but. If I'd done an M and M and like cussed her out like you know twenty years ago, my son would be looking at me crazy right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. Like, why? Why would you do that? So I never did that. And like, yeah, we have our differences like anybody else, but I've never like bashed her in public, and I wouldn't. Mm -hmm. And um, that's kind of the reason why I like to keep that type of stuff separate. Okay. Because you never know, man. Like, mm -hmm. and it just makes you look crazy. She <laughs> might be the same person who'll be looking after you tomorrow. Well, this is it. Yeah. You know, and um, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I've only ever spoken about relationships that I that, that were public yeah. or that were public knowledge. So I've never spoken about things that were not. Apparently you once you once dated Monte Tim back then. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Nante, a very beautiful friend of mine. Yeah, yeah. You know, I met Nante um before she even did Channel O. Uh huh. I think it was the day that she got her Channel O interview. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I'll tell this story because yes. it's it's like a, this is a true story. Yeah. So I was dating a girl who is now married, so I'm not gonna mention her name. She's married to mm -hmm. a guy who was a friend of mine, a musician as well. Okay. So I wasn't actually dating her, mm -hmm. but there was like attraction. Mm -hmm. So she she um we were living in this house in Santon with Jack, shout out to UK Jack. Mm -hmm. So the mansion in Santon that I mentioned in the track, it was like in in San what was it like just near Grayston. Yeah. So there was like a bunch of people that would crash. So this girl, she wasn't actually my girlfriend. I don't think we even started dating. We haven't been intimate, mm -hmm. but she was there at the house a lot. Mm -hmm. And you know, sometimes they'd stay over and whatever. So I I was, I made it a, like, I, I kind of, I think I must've mentioned, hey, let's meet up for drinks, like casually. But I actually had asked Nante out on a date. Mm -hmm. So I forgot. It was the same day, so 
she yeah. she calls me, not the calls me, she's like, who's this color girl who's, she said, this girl's threatening to do all kinds of crazy shit to me and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, which girl? She's like, your girlfriend. She says she's your girlfriend. I, said, I don't have a girlfriend. She's like, yes, you do. She lives at your house. She says you live together. I said, no. And I was like, oh, shit. You mean, and I said her name. She said, yeah, that's what she said her name. I said, that's not my girlfriend. She said, that's not what she said. So I get there and she was pissed. And I was pissed. She's like, nah, nigga. This is too much. I'm out. This is, this is crazy. And then, you know, then um, the next time I saw her, I was with this girl. So me and this girl were now dating. Yeah. And it was when I went to submit the video yeah. channel. And she said, hmm, you said she wasn't your girlfriend. I said, she wasn't at the time. But, you know, the, the girl eventually became my girlfriend and we broke up. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, like, you know, Nantia and I remain friends. We're still friends to this day. She's, okay. a, she's a very beautiful soul. And yeah. She's a person I would have, I would have, you know, settled down and married. It's never too late, bro. I know. I took you a Talking of music, uh, what's, your, what's your kind of take on the Botswana hip hop industry? I think I like one take. Uh-huh. I like a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. And I like the fact that people are more secure. There's more of an identity. Yeah. They asked me a similar question. I did an interview for Pro, Pro Kids documentary. Yeah. And they asked me a similar question about what I think about the South African scene. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that compared to back in the day, like when I when I was doing it, there was no back to the city. There were no hip hop shows. There were no. There was nothing. There was no hip hop program, so to speak. You know, yeah. everything was still foreign in terms of consumption. Mm-hmm. But now there's more of an identity. You know, in terms of you, you when you hear rappers from Botswana, you can tell these cats are from Botswana. Before it was difficult to tell where people were from. You couldn't really, you know, because everybody was trying to sound. They were either trying to sound like they're from SA or from the states. Mm-hmm. So now it's cool. We have an identity. People are throwing in. They're proud of it, you know? Mm-hmm. People like Fade Again, you know, even 10 years ago were, were actively repping the 267. Yeah. And, you know, certain neighborhoods. And and it's good to see because, yeah, that's what you want. Mm-hmm. So I like it. I like where it's going. I like what the young kids are doing because yeah. it's, it's about what the youth are doing. It's not about us old guys. You know, I can still rap, but you, you, you can't relate to... It's kind of like how Method Man can still rap, but he's in his 50s. Yeah. So it's difficult to connect with, uh, um, you know, a, a demographic that's basically under 25 or 60 yeah. to 25. Yeah. Because as much as they know that he's Method Man, he's their dad's age or almost their grandfather's age. Mm-hmm. So it's, there's, you know, there's, there's a disconnect there. Mm-hmm. All right. Because last time we like, um, you shared your sentiments towards the, the, the local hip hop industry mentioned that like a lot of kids are lazy in the scene, they expect to be spoon fed. And a lot of them didn't take it well. They never do, but you know, I never hold my tongue. Mm-hmm. And, and imagine, it's the spoon fed lazy niggas they get pissed off. Mm-hmm. The guys that's out hustling never get pissed off by stuff like that. Mm-hmm. People who are actually doing it will not be offended by what I'm saying. People who are not doing it and who want handouts are gonna get pissed off because I touched the nerve. Mm-hmm. But like I said, you cannot have a hip hop thingy where people, imagine if American hip hop has said, oh, we're waiting for a grant or the government to do this, that, the other third. Yeah. The whole point of hip hop is you're supposed to do it yourself. You're supposed to innovate. You're supposed to make something out of nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you're not supposed to be waiting for somebody to help you. Mm-hmm. Yes, if you get help, you get help, but that can't be the reason why. Some people, good, what I'm saying was, you can't say things like, if only I had this, then I would do that. People who say that are never gonna amount to shit. Mm-hmm. Because if you really wanted to do something or be something, you start, and then things would come. 
But you have to make that initial step, you know? It's like the documentary. If I sat on my ass waiting for people to give me money to make it, there'll be no movie. Mm -hmm. I had to just do it myself. And then as I kept going, things started to happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you have to take the first step, then the path shows itself. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't say, oh, I'm going to wait till I can see the road to, to, to success. You, you don't, there is no road. You know, you don't, it's not like you make a decision and then all of a sudden the, the whole thing lights up and it guides you. You don't, you just have to go. And then I think the universe and God kind of takes over. But that's when you've actually made the commitment that you're going to do it. Mm -hmm. You can't be sitting at home wishing and wanting and then expect things to happen. You have to get out there and get up and do something. Okay, okay. Uh, I always say this to my kids. I'm like, I know you, you rush into the airport and stuff like that, but for you, like, this time around, stack is to leave the country. I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, so uh, before we go, like, I saw you, I see you're about to re release your, your, your mixtape, The Stack Alicious. Yeah, so um, I did a partnership with VIB. Shout out to my man, Leroy. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Leroy is doing some big things with VIB. Leroy actually was an engineer on my second album, which okay. I never released. Mm -hmm. So I've known Leroy for almost 20 years now. And, you know, he's a very solid guy, very intelligent. And he, like, it's amazing. He's got, like, a business model of something which most people thought didn't work. Yeah. I was in Jamaica last year, and we were talking to Bujuban. I went to Bujubanton's house yeah. through my guy, Perry. Shout out to Perry in Jamaica. Mm -hmm. And the first thing Buju said was, I want to try for bring back ringtone again. <laughs> he's like, ringtone? Who's doing ringtones? And he says... Ringtone, come back, come back again in Africa. <laughs> and he was, I was like, yeah, yeah. Like, people still buy CDs out there. Yeah. And he was like, Botswana? That's one country I've always wanted to go to, but no one's ever invited me. Yeah. But he, would, he found it funny that, like, ringtones still work. And a lot of people, when you tell them, especially people from England and America, they're like, ringtones? Who still does ringtones? Yeah. Leroy does, bro, in 18 fucking countries. And he's down, a lot of people download them, mm -hmm. you know? Like, he sold me the numbers. What's that, Bunch Bunch? Like, the numbers are serious, uh -huh. the ringtone numbers, so. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, we, he actually, it started out by him saying to me, look, we need to put your music on our platform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, that's basically how it started, and I, I have, I need to actually send them, when I go to the airport, I'm going to sit down and send the rest of them, but I need to send them all of the stuff uh -huh. before I get back. Okay. But, you know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great model because they basically take a, a loop of your track mm -hmm. and, you know, it's a way that you can monetize content. Okay. So I, I started to reach out to people that I knew, like Goofy, and speak to them about getting their catalog and uploading it onto the platform. Mm -hmm. Then I reached out to my man Perry in Jamaica. Mm -hmm. That's how I went to Budge's house, Sizzler, um, you know, met my man Adrian Curry, DJ Curry. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're reaching out to people and there's a huge deal that we just did that I'm not going to mention that he will probably, um, he will, he will do it once the, once it's all wrapped up. But that's probably what I'm most proud of that I did in the last couple of years, even more than the documentary, because it's, it's, it's historic. It's something that's never been done before. So it doesn't mean that we also have music on the online uh, streaming platforms? Oh yeah. Okay. And like, in terms of what we did, in terms of with Libre, with this thing that we just, and we just literally just did this, like, it just got confirmed a couple of days ago. Mm. It will be historic. It will be, it, it, it will be, a, it will be a music content deal that's never been done by an African aggregator before, mm. you know. Mm. 
You know, we it took 18 months to do it. Yeah. Okay. And everything that's really great takes time. Yeah, it takes time because yeah. it, it, it's all it's all nature. Yeah. Mm. Stella, bro. Deep side. It was nice having you. Thank you, man. And when I come back, I'll be. I think I'll be. When I come back, I'm.